Well, good morning, everyone. Welcome to uh, Church in the Valley. Uh, like Ra- uh, Andy mentioned, uh, go ahead and take your connection card uh, out of your program and fill that out. You can go ahead and do that right now as I'm uh, speaking. Later in the service, after I'm done with uh, the message, you can drop that uh, filled out connection card uh, in the offering uh, as that comes by. I uh, wanted to let you guys know that Randy is on his way back or headed that way. He's going to be coming home Thursday from uh, Tennessee. He's been in Oklahoma for his daughter's graduation and uh, visiting family on a family vacation in uh, Tennessee. And he's going to be back uh, next uh, next Sunday. Uh, next Sunday, we're going to be kicking off a new series uh, called Box Office Wisdom. Uh, there's a flyer there in your program uh, to invite people to attend. Uh, next week is kind of an intro to this series. And then we're going to be kicking that off on June 10th, uh, looking at the summer hits in the movies and what does the Bible say about those. And use that uh, invite card to invite a family or a uh, family member or a friend. Uh, you can also go to uh, churchonvalley.com slash summer and invite people uh, that way as well. Uh, last week, I kicked off a new series uh, called Delete. It's two weeks, so you kick it off last week and I'm concluding it this week. Bada bing, bada boom. Uh, short series, but glad you guys are here. Uh, we're talking about the subject of speech and words, and the, the title of the series is Delete, which is really kind of an action step that many of us should take uh, in approach to our words and in our communication. And I've been thinking through really the power of words and how words and what we say carry so much meaning. And if you think about it, uh, it really has the power to motivate to challenge uh, people to, to rally the troops, uh, whether it's in the military or whether it's a coach rallying his players or somebody that's challenging or motivating a friend. And there's great power to action, great power to rise to the occasion, and we use words to, to motivate people. And at the same time, there's power on the other side of the spectrum, which is power to really cut people, to hurt, to discourage, to dissuade, to bring people down. And many times we forget how powerful our words are. Uh, this past Thursday, I was sitting uh, in my daughter's preschool graduation. If you've never been to a preschool graduation, it's, it's like college, but they're five. It's like the same pomp and circumstance. You know, parents are fired up. It's like you, you have to like secure your place with your camera. And they do this thing, and our daughter's, uh, we decided to keep her for two years in preschool. And last year... They play this song that kind of gets you going as a parent, and it kind of shows the power of words. And they said, we're going to, in the the quiet, you know, when the quiet voice comes, you know, it's like, "Uh uh-oh, here we go. It's going to be emotional. It's like, we're going to go ahead and reset the stage, listen to this song, and think about the words. And I'm thinking, oh, gosh, I need to leave because I know I'm going to lose it. And it's this, this song called Let Them Be Little. And, you know, I'm already trying to hold it together in this, in this gra- preschool graduation. You know, my daughter's life is flashing before my eyes. And then they play this song. I want you guys to hear it to see that the power of words. me. 
changing with every blink faster than a flower blooms they grow up all too soon so kidding in first service the music started and i actually started to get a little choked up it's like wait i can't do this this is like an illustration you're not supposed to like lose it but this is what i was fighting and and then you know they they get you you know fired up you're in this moment and you're like this is preschool and then the, the end of the song says this so innocent a precious soul you turn around it's time to let them go are you kidding me i just put her in that cute dress she's still here for a while I don't want to think about that yet, but the power of words, it gets you all fired up. I mean, literally, I'm like, all right, Levi, don't you need to go potty? Cause we, let's leave. Let's just, let's just get out of this. But it's just the emotion of the emotion of it. And we all have experiences where there's something like that, nostalgic or something meaningful or something was spoken and it touched us. But at the same time, a lot of our experiences and a lot of things that we face in our relationships and related to conflict is not this nostalgic feel good moment, but it's really pain that we experience by things that we've said that we wish we didn't say, or things that people have said to us that have hurt and wounded us. And so we think a lot of times how words can challenge and are so powerful, but at the same time, they really, in the same way, can just break people down. They can hurt, they can wound. And in fact, as you you dig into the Bible and the truth about our words, and as we talked about last week, it's really like this wild beast our tongue, what we say. It's like a wild beast that can never be fully tamed. You can put a leash on it, but it's like going to yank you around the rest of your life. It's always going to be something where you have to be careful because it's a fire. A small, small fire can start just by that, that spark that flies out. That's the picture. And I want to review a little bit what we talked about last week, the, the good news and bad news as it's related to our speech. Oftentimes, we open our mouth, words come out, and we think, wow, where did that come from why did i say that and we sometimes just are faced with this why did i just do that and as you dig into where words come from the bible says they they come from three problems especially words that cut that discourage that just wound people they come from three problems that all of us face in our hearts uh selfishness arrogance and hurtfulness and jesus in matthew 12 says for out of the overflow of the heart the mouth speak And that's what we talked about last week. The fact that when you speak, your words don't just magnificently, spontaneously appear. They've actually been cooking in your heart. And you've been thinking certain things and you believe certain things. And that's why you say what you say. And when we say things that we regret and we say things that hurt and we say things that wound, they're coming from those three areas. And the reason the tongue cannot be fully tamed is because our hearts cannot be fully tamed. We're going to struggle the rest of our lives. Selfishness is one of those things that we can actually grow in. 
And a parent's job is to train that stubborn selfishness out of a child. And that's really that you're the center of the universe. If you've met people that that's still the case as an adult, they're usually not the best people to be around. So it's something that you're actually supposed to move past. But the arrogance and the hurt that we all have inside of us, that's something that that we never get past. We will deal with that the rest of our lives until we die. So it's something that we really need to learn. What are, what are some, some tools to help us deal with those problems that just boil over? How can God help us? So the bad news is it's going to be something we deal with for the rest of our lives. The good news is God gives help. He offers strategies in the truth to help us deal with our tongue. So we're going to look at two areas, the arrogant words and hurtful words. How do we delete Let's look at the arrogant words. Uh, this is something like I just mentioned is going to be in your heart the rest of your life. Uh, Psalm 75 says, to the arrogant, I say, boast no more. And to the wicked, do not lift up your horns. Do not lift up your horns against heaven. Do not speak with an outstretched neck. No one from the east or from the west or from the desert can exalt a man. But it is God who judges. He brings one down and exalts another. The picture in this psalm is, again, this idea of this wild beast, what our tongue is. And when we speak arrogantly, we are like a stiff-necked animal that wants to show its domain to the rest of the animal kingdom, like this super buck with its horns, and it's just saying, I, I am supreme. I am the king. And that's what we do in our arrogant words. There's this part where we have this this push to put ourselves in front of people. Or there's rights that we have and we think, I deserve that, I'm going to go get that. And we push ourselves in a proud and bold manner in front of others. And we do it subtly in our, in our speech because it comes from, from our heart. And there's two ways that this arrogance comes out in our speech. The first is with, with boasting. And boasting is speaking with excessive pride. Uh, speaking with excessive pride. Usually, this kind of boasting is related to possessions, our talents, or our accomplishments. What we have, what we can do, and what we have done. And in conversations with people and stories, we usually want to be the main hero, the main star, and our speech reflects that. Specifically, the Bible talks about how we boast in kind of two key ways. Uh, this isn't in your outline, but in Proverbs 27, 1 and 2, you see that we, we tend to boast about tomorrow, our plans, our goals, what we're going to do, and then we boast about ourselves. Proverbs 27, 1, do not boast about tomorrow, for you do not know what a day may bring forth. So in our speech, when we talk about kind of our big plans, what we're going to do, our goals, how we're going to meet those goals it's a, it's, a, it's a form of boasting for we, we don't really know what tomorrow will bring. I know for me personally, when I, when I have this idea of how I want something to go, and it seems like the best plan, and I have the spreadsheet to prove how that will work perfectly, if everyone gets on board, and then you wake up the next day and it just is blown to bits. And at that point you think, well, I wish I wouldn't have said all that we were going to do because now it's not going to happen. People would just open the spreadsheet that I emailed them kinetically by blinking. We do it about ourselves, too. 
Proverbs 27 two. Let another praise you and not your own mouth. Someone else and not your own lips. Doesn't that just seem like, okay, how can that be true? Because there's certain things that I've done that are like so special and have blessed so many people that no one knows about. Unless I tell them I did it, no one will know. And I don't want to waste that perfectly good thing that I did to go unnoticed. This is the scenarios we play. There's just this part of which people need to know what we've done. Because if I don't tell them, they will not know. What a travesty. Right? We don't say this out loud, but this is what we think. First service, you know, I was hitting them with this. It's like, nine, they're like, 9.30, come on. You guys are a little warmed up. But, you know, we don't talk about this stuff, really what's in our hearts, those kind of desires that are churning, but we think it a lot. And it kind of goes like something like this. Well, that, that was nice what you shared. What about this? Boom. Superstar. <laughs> Again, we don't do that out loud, but it's, it's going on inside. But the parameters in scriptures are clear. Basically, God is the one that exalts you. And he uses others to promote you. You do not promote yourself. And there's just part of us that we just chew on that and we wrestle with that. How does that make sense? But according to the Bible, the truth is you cannot promote yourself if you do. Opposing God. And that's that arrogance. It's, it's pride. Another form of, of boasting is we, we judge. We judge people, which is forming an evaluation or opinion by discerning and comparing. We want to criticize. Just something that we make sense to us. We want to criticize people. Now, when you're a kid, you do it very bluntly. You know, when they say kids say the darndest things, it's because kids usually just speak out of this. Why'd you do that? That didn't make any sense at all. You're like, well, thank you for sharing, little one. But as adults, we're a little more sly. Yeah, I mean, you could have done that. And there might have been other ways if you would have just asked me. But there's something in us that's just, we're critical. Um, we, we're not sure why somebody got that and we didn't. We're not sure why they got to receive success and we didn't, or why we got unnoticed and they, you know, didn't. And there's just this thing that we compare and we criticize within us. And what tends to happen is what's in our heart comes out. And when this boasting comes out and the judging comes out and you hear yourself say it, sometimes you're thinking, How can I spin that so that just didn't sound like it did? And that's when you say, just saying. You hear last week, or just kidding. Like, just kidding, really. I didn't really mean that. Although I thought about it for two weeks. This is just something that's in there, this arrogance. To to boast and to judge. Uh, Judging also is is we we kind of decide the relative worth of, of people. We show favoritism. This person deserves it, so I'm going to treat them this way. This person doesn't, I'm going to treat them this way. We do this all the time in our relationships, in our family, in in, in work. We kind of determine, we play God, we decide the lot people should get. Uh, The Bible says, Matthew 7, 
Uh, Do not judge, or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. The picture here is that it is God who determines the success of you, the success of others. It all flows through the hand of God. He's in control. He sees. He hears. And when we judge, we're kind of saying, I don't know why God thought that or allowed that to happen, but here's what I think. That pride is the picture in Scripture of uh, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. The picture is you're, you're like on the, uh, the goal line of football, and you're down in your stance ready to charge. And you're like, this is awesome. I've got the straight path to my goal, and no one's in my way. And all of a sudden, God comes And he's lined up against you across the line. How do you think that's going to go? When they say hut and you say, "Uh uh-oh. But that's the picture of pride. You are opposing God himself. And this is serious. We have to realize that it is God that's in control. Although I want it, although I think I know what's best, it is God who's in control. And this this judging that we do, it usually is kind of this rash, unjust, just unlovely judgments upon people. And it starts with just these thoughts that we have about others and about ourselves and why we were better than them. And that's, that's where it starts. The key with judging is the things that you notice in others that bother you or irritate you. The key is you focus on that in your own life. You deal with yourself in that before you put judgment on others. That prevents a lot of things from being said. There's also the key perspective here. This is like one of those points where you say it and you're like, come on, that can't be true. Many of our thoughts are best left unsaid. Doesn't that almost seem like a joke? Like, no. Because everything that comes in my head is brilliant and should be said. Isn't that kind of what we think? Again, not out loud, but within us. If I thought it, it seems like that was kind of a good idea. But the scriptures are many of our thoughts are best left unsaid. Proverbs 30, 32. If you have played the fool and exalted yourself, or if you've planned evil, clap your hand over your mouth. Could you imagine the picture of this? Like, you know, you're dismissed and you, you go about your day and then you're in the hallway like, how you doing? Well, I'm burnt. What's going on? I'm... And everyone around is just clapping their mouth. I mean, it'd kind of be a crazy scene. You're a guest. I apologize. Be a little different. All they did is walk around slapping themselves on the mouths. But the picture in Scripture is it's so serious that you don't want anything to get out that shouldn't get out that you literally put the guard in front of it. Just because we thought it doesn't mean we say it. And that's the picture. In our hearts, we're always going to be dealing with those struggles of promoting ourselves and putting judgment on others. But it's something that as you deal in your hearts, you confess it to God before it comes out. Now, if it does come out, which it will, you then confess it to God and then you make it right to that person. 
And I talked about that last week. That's part of what it means to walk in the spirit, walk with the power of God on your side. But many of our thoughts are left best, are, are best left unsaid. Another category of words that we need to delete, hurtful words. Uh, Proverbs twelve eighteen, There is one whose rash words are like sword thrusts, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. You read scripture sometime like that and you just, you get the picture. This idea of there's things that I can say that can cut, that can destroy, that can wound. And it takes many days and months and even years to heal that. But then oftentimes in scripture you get the picture of the opposite side. But the tongue of the wise brings healing. So when you, you just speak rashly and just say what's on your mind right in the moment, you're bringing the pain. But the wise who's thinking and sorting and filtering and clapping their hands over their mouth, they bring the medicine. They bring healing. That's the picture that we get. Uh, hurtful words usually come out in two categories as well. First is angry outbursts which is a sudden and often explosive verbal release. Angry outbursts usually are, are they're reckless or harsh. Uh, reckless words are kind of those words that you, you, you're kind of in the moment and you have this thought and you just want the person to have it. Because if they don't know that about themselves, you're the one that's going to tell them. Like you have this right to bring the truth. And you're just reckless. You let it flow. The, the, the harsh words are a little more to, to hurt. You've, you've calculated. You've thought about it. You've come up with the best approach to just, just get that sword right in there. But they both damage. One has forethought. The other really doesn't. But that's, that's what the angry outbursts are, reckless or harsh. And this, this can just happen right in the middle of just your day with what you're going. Last night, I was giving the kids a bath. And oftentimes things go badly as a parent when you have like a certain goal and time frame of when things should happen. I was thinking, okay, we're going to have a bath, and I'll give this thing like four minutes. <laughs> and if it's not done in four minutes, I don't know what's going to happen, but I'm going to leave. And, you know, stuff, the kids, and, you know, you have this goal, and it's like, you don't laugh. You breathe, but not underwater. No playing. It's serious. You know, and it's, you know, they're kids. They're, they're having fun. They're, you know, and, and my daughter, I was like, you know, stand up. And I grabbed her arm, and she's slippery, and she fell, and she's cracking up. And there's no, there's no laughing right now. That's what I'm thinking, you know. There's no laughing. We're, at like, on the three-minute mark. There's one minute left. There's no laughing right now, and I'm getting all agitated. And then I just found myself, sword thrust, my mouth open. Stand up. Will you just get up? I, we got to finish this. And, you know, I was, I was, my mind was elsewhere. You know, I was thinking about this message. You know, so I wasn't really, <laughs> didn't you know, you know, I was thinking about this message. I, I couldn't really focus on her right then. And I said that, and it was just like, stick, beat, head, now. And, you know, she reacted to it. 
and it, and it hurt her. And then she started to get upset, and it was like she's saying something. And, you know, kind of when you're agitated as an adult, you, you probably could figure out what the kid says, but you don't really want to. I don't understand what you're talking about. And she said something like, you didn't check to make sure I was okay. I was like, well, you're okay. I don't know what you're saying, you know. And three minutes and 30 seconds, let's go. Um, and like right in that moment, it was like, you dork. I'm, I'm, I'm being harsh. And what she was saying was, you haven't made sure, you, you haven't checked to make sure I'm okay. And it was like God just said, you need to make that right. And, and so I decided, okay, what, what's going on, Katie? What, what, what's wrong? And she just said, you, usually you hug me when I've gotten in trouble to make sure I'm okay. And right then I was like, oh, that wasn't on the agenda. That's what happens. People, they don't fit with what we think should happen, and we get all dorked up. And so in my life, I just decided, you know, that, that just becomes a sermon illustration the night before when I realized I blew it. And it happens all the time. I want you to see another clip, not from my own life. This is a little bit more funny <laughs> as movies are. I wanted to show a clip from Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. And this is like one of those greatest movies of all time. And I love it because they just they jack each other. But that's kind of funny about movies. You watch it and they treat each other terribly and it's like so entertaining. But in the context of this, you, you see it a little differently. Um, the, the plot, if you don't know, is they're trying to get home for Thanksgiving and John Candy and Steve Martin's paths keep crossing. And they decide they need to work together. But they're like oil and water. They don't get along. And Steve Martin in this scene has just had it and show what he does. So let's see that. Then move. You're no saint. You've got a free cab, you've got a free room, and someone who'll listen to your boring stories. I mean, didn't you, didn't you notice on the plane when you started talking, eventually I started reading the vomit bag? Didn't that give you some sort of clue, like, hey, maybe this guy's not enjoying it? You know, everything is not an anecdote. You have to discriminate. You choose things that are, that are funny or, or mildly amusing or interesting. You're a miracle. Your stories have none of that. They're not even amusing accidentally. Honey, I'd, li I'd like you to meet Del Griffith. He's got some amusing anecdotes for you. Oh, here's a gun so you can blow your brains out. You'll thank me for it. <sighs> I, I, I could tolerate any, any insurance seminar. For days, I could sit there and listen to them go on and on with a big smile on my face. They'd say, how can you stand it? And I'd say, because I've been with Del Griffith. I can take anything. You know what that'd say? That'd say, I know what you mean. Shower curtain ring guy. Whoa. It's, it's like going on a date with a chatty Kathy doll. I expect you to have a little string on your chest, you know, that I pull out and have to snap back. Except I wouldn't pull it out and snap it back. You would. And by the way, you know, when you're, when you're telling these little stories, here's a good idea. Have a point. It makes it so much more interesting for the listener.
in, in first service, there was like nervous, like, can I laugh at that or, or like not laugh? Or like, what's the rules on that? You can laugh. But when you, when you think about it, you're like, wow, that, that cracks me up. But that's like one of the most awful things you could ever say. But it's terribly funny. And there's a part of like where you see Steve Martin's character, and you're like, well, he's put up with it for long enough. I mean, really? But you see the look on, on John Candy's face. And this happens a lot in our, in our real relationships. There's a part in which we say what we want to say, and we keep saying it, we keep saying it, and the gloves come off. And then you look at the person, and you see you've, you've ripped them apart. And you see right there at the end, his face, like the pain, the hurt. And he actually says, fine, you want to hurt me? And he recognized it. But that's that, that angry outburst. He just, he drew the line. It kept going and going and, okay, now you have it. And we do that with people. We have kind of a, a slack that we give. Okay, if I'll be patient with you up to this point. Or I'll understand you up to this point. But as soon as you do that, which is annoying, which you've done before, I'm going to let you have it. These angry outbursts, they, they cut like swords. They're reckless and they're, they're harsh. Uh, the second type of hurt that we can use our words in is, is bitterness, which is showing intense dislike or ill will. Uh, bitterness is, is something that, that cooks usually days and days and months and months. And that can stem from unresolved anger over life situations that we've experienced or treatment by others. Um, we tend to hurt when we've been hurt. But this bitterness is, is like lava. It's, it's underneath the surface, and it's bubbling, and it's bubbling, and it's bubbling. And things like bitterness don't just simmer forever. They, they do come out in what you say and what you do. And bitterness and jealousy usually go hand in hand, which kind of goes back to that judging. It's all connected. There's this thing where we just we're, we don't know why that person has gotten what they've gotten. Or why they got their goal and I didn't get my goal. And there's this thing where we don't understand and wonder if God's really there. Because if he was there, why is this happening to me? And these things just are brewing and brewing and brewing. These are key things that we have to deal with. If we don't deal with it right and ask God for help and admit this is what I'm feeling, this is what I'm going through, we're left alone to try to cope. But that line's still there. And so we need we need the help of God. The key perspective as we deal with words that hurt is work on becoming quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. This is taken directly really from the verse James 1.19. And it says the same thing. My dear brothers, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. We're going to talk about what that looks like practically. What does it look like to really be slow to speak? That verse, James 1.19, this is what the wise person does. Slow to speak, slow to become angry, and they're quick to listen. Another helpful truth is Ephesians 4.31. It says, get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. That's the picture. The reason that we can deal with this with the help of God is because of 
God's forgiveness of us. God has been so gracious to us. He commands us to be gracious to others. God cuts us so much slack. He demands that we cut slack to others. That's the flavor. We act out of what God has done for us, not that we've deserved it or that they've deserved it, but we put a filter on our mouths because what God has done for us. That's the basis. That's the hope. He is who we cling to. So the words of the wise, this is how to, how to make real progress in your speech. What are some steps? Let's kind of unpack what that means to be slow to speak. Uh, the first is think before you speak. If you want to be slow to speak, think. Again, that's kind of counterintuitive because when things come in our mind, it's like we've been trained. You speak your mind, right? Isn't that what freedom of speech is? You want to say what you want to say when you want to say it. But the profile of the wise and the wise way is actually you, you, you think before you speak. Proverbs 15, 2, the tongue of the wise uses knowledge rightly, but the mouth of fools pours, pours forth foolishness. Pours forth there in the original language is gush. The fool, the, the person who doesn't really line up with God's reality, doesn't really do life God's way. The, the fool is a gusher. Whatever comes in their mind or in their heart, they speak. And we all deal with that. It's kind of that thing where I'm just letting you know what I, what I feel, what I think. Don't we say that a lot? I'm just letting you know what's on my mind. The scripture is, You deal with it in your heart before God. Don't let it come out. Because it's not right. It has the power to destroy. But you think before you speak. Kierkegaard, who was a, a philosopher, said this. People demand freedom of speech as a compensation for the freedom of thought, which they seldom use. I think he was on to something. I usually want to say something because it's in my head. And I might forget it, so i got to just say it. Well, the scriptures are actually, use your mind to think, is this what should be said? And that's, that's the next point. Decide what response is fitting for the occasion. That's what the wise person does. Decide what response is fitting. Uh, Proverbs fifteen twenty three. everyone enjoys a fitting reply. It is wonderful to say the right thing at the right time. Wouldn't all of us agree with that? It is wonderful. My problem is I say the wrong thing at the wrong time. That's why you think before you speak. So here's some key questions to ask to know what's fitting. Uh, is this a time for silence? I've learned that the hard way. I thought when someone talks to you, you're supposed to talk. I mean, why talk? But there's a time for silence. There's a time where you let the person communicate and you, you just listen and you're quiet. So you ask that. Is it a time for silence? Is it time for listening? And listening is actually listening. See, sometimes we listen 
but we like fake ourselves and fake the other. The listening is kind of like, okay, here's what I'm going to say when they take a breath and let me say it. And I'm going to like be good at saying, uh-huh, and right, yeah, uh-huh, yeah, right, are you done? Okay, let me talk, let me talk, let me talk, let me talk. But actually, when you listen, you're not thinking about something that you want to say. Thinking, what are they saying? Isn't that just a crazy thought? When someone talks, asking, what are they saying? I still don't do that, that great. I think I know what you're saying, but I'm not really listening because I have something to say. So let me. There's also time for, for celebration. You know, when somebody's talking about something and they're, they're pumped, you know, you don't want to be Debbie Downer. Well, I'm glad for you. Now you celebrate that person. Or it's sadness. The opposite's true. Somebody has been crushed. They're broken. They're experiencing something that they're not sure what to do. They need you as a friend. And maybe it's just not time to say, well, it's going to be okay. Everything's going to turn out. I just smile. It's like salt on the wound. Just be with them in that moment. You ask God for help. And then corrective instruction. Does this person need perspective? Do they need the truth? Depending on how you're wired, you may flock to corrective instruction first. I know your problem. Here's what you need to do. But notice corrective instruction. I'm saying it last. It may be something you just need to think through. Do they really need to hear that right then? They may not. But depending on how you're wired, if someone's coming to you with a problem, you need to fix it. And here's what they need to do. But it may not be the right occasion. See, the wise thinks of the occasion and then asks, what does this person need? The fool thinks, what do I need to say? And how can I say it as quickly as possible? That's just a shift in perspective. This is what we need to ask God for help. God, help me to really hear what's going on, have the wisdom to know what the person needs to hear, what's really going on with them. How can I be a help to them? Because the goal is not to communicate what we need to say. The goal is really to hear where they're coming from, to understand, and then ask God for help to, to give them what they need to hear. What's going to benefit them? And that's the last point. When you speak, bless. The mode of our speech and what we should be doing in our hearts is thinking, how can I build this person up? Not put them in their place, not tear them down. Not let them know what's really going on, but how can, I, how can I actually bless them? Sometimes it may be speaking the truth, and sometimes it may hurt. And sometimes they may not want to hear it. But ultimately, the goal is never to tear down. The goal is never to vent. The goal is never to get something off your chest. The goal is to bless. It's to build up. Ephesians 4.29, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs that it may benefit those who listen so you have to ask occasion and then ask god what what do i need to say if anything at all that's what the wise does now this is one of those things where you you grow into if you speak what's on your mind 100 percent of the time your next step may be i'm just going to delete one thing every day and that might be your goal. 
or maybe you're not there. Maybe it's one time this week I'm going to not say something I want to say. Or maybe it's to look at, you know, is there, is there arrogance in my speech? Is there arrogance in what I'm saying and doing that, that's really not helping others? Or that's promoting myself? Or am I judging without realizing it? What you want to do is you want to ask God, even right now as I'm closing, just think through, is there kind of one of these things that you can work on? Take one little baby step towards it. A shift in perspective. Just ask God for help. The power comes from him. We cannot do this without him. The power flows from him. There's some next steps on your connection cards too that you can uh, mark on there. And once you go ahead and pull your connection card out as I'm closing, I'm going to let you know uh, what those are related to the message as the band comes up. But on your connection card, first thing is you can intentionally work on saying delete before wrong thought escapes my mouth. That might be a next step. Second, uh, maybe memorize 5, Proverbs 15:23. Everyone enjoys a fitting reply. It is wonderful to say the right thing at the right time. Or you'll work on asking, what does this person need? Uh, when in a conversation, instead of just thinking what you want to say. And then a couple things related to uh, CIV. Attend the child dedication. Uh, we're going to have a child dedication on June 17th. Uh, the overview on June 3rd is to find out what that's all about. And it's really a parent dedication to raise your, your, your children in, in God's way. And so if you'd like to learn what that means and to be a part of the dedication, RSVP for that on your connection card. And then CIV preview is uh, June 10th. And that's for people who'd like to learn uh, more about Church in the Valley, get to know us more and find out how can you, how can you join the team. And speaking of that, we have somebody that has become a member that I'd like to introduce uh, Christy, would you stand up? Mr. Kale, she has joined the team. I want to give her a hand. She, uh, she attended uh, uh, CIV preview recently and went through our Discovering CIV, our one-on-one class. So, Christy, we're really glad that you've joined us. Glad you're here. And uh, for those of you that would like to find out what that means for you, uh, you can RSVP for the preview as well. Let's pray together. God, we thank you so much for the help that you bring. Uh, when we look at our speech and the pattern of our speech and we look at our hearts and what flows from there, uh, oftentimes we can be discouraged and think that we can't change. And God, we, we just need you desperately. Uh, we need your help. We need the power that flows from your hand. And so God, help us to Look past ourselves and the things that we want to say and really look to how we can be a blessing to those around us. God, help us to, to walk in your spirit, to see uh, just how to confess when we, when we mess up and how just to pick ourselves up and commit again to aligning by speaking the truth in love. And God, we thank you that you are a God that changes us from the inside out. Uh, we're not alone and you reach in to, to help us in our daily life. And we thank you for that. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, amen.